welcome to the Empathic Mastery Show. I'm your host, Jennifer Moore, and I'm so glad you're here. This is a place where we talk about what it means to be highly sensitive and empathic, how this impacts all aspects of our lives, and we explore tools, resources, and solutions so we can shift from absorbing all the thoughts, feelings, and energy of the world around us to being beacons for calm, love, and healing. Hey there, everybody. I'm back, and I'm really delighted to be introducing my guest, Michelle Henderson, today. Michelle Henderson has a master's in education and worked in education as a teacher, educational diagnostician, and behavior analyst for 30 years. In 2021, Michelle became a certified spiritual advisor with psychic and medium certificates through the Lisa Williams International School of Spiritual Development. With the knowledge she obtained through her lifelong work with children, she became passionate about helping intuitive children embrace their gifts. Michelle also shares her innovative ideas with other light workers, giving them direction about supporting families of intuitive children. Her book, Spiritual Nurturing for Intuitive Children, Training Parents to Embrace and Enhance Their Psychic Child's Abilities, was published on January 5th, 2022. Michelle also created a live podcast show, which is where we got to connect, Michelle's Inspiration Hour in 2022, to help spread inspiration into people's lives. And as you might imagine, Michelle and I are going to have a conversation about children, particularly psychic, empathic, highly sensitive kids, and how do we support them? So Michelle, I'm so glad you're here. Welcome. Well, thank you so much. And it is so good to see you again. And yes, we had a fabulous conversation. So I'm excited about this one. (laughs) Me too. Me too. And I mean, I think the topic of psychic intuitive and empathic children is such an important one because this is something that I think I run into a lot of friends with psychic intuitive children, empathic kids, and they're just like, what do I do? How do I handle this? But before we go down that rabbit hole, I'd love to just hear you talk about your own experience, obviously, as somebody who is spiritually gifted and, you know, trained in psychic work yourself, I'd love to hear a bit about your earlier experiences. Like, were you somebody who knew you were sensitive even from an early age, or was it something that awoken you later? You know, when did you, do you identify specifically as an empath? And if yes, you know, when did you discover that? How do you define the word? All kinds of questions. (laughs) Oh my goodness. I don't know where to start. Well, I'll go ahead and start when I was younger. And to me, yes, I believe I was an empath before, you know, and I could feel the different energy being in tuned in it as well. Mm -hmm. But what really got me going in it was that I was so sensitive as a child. Yeah. You looked at me wrong. I could feel the energy. I started crying. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) And my mother, you know, my mother goes, oh, here she goes again. And especially like um, I would come home just worn out Mm -hmm. because I could feel all my friends energy and how they were feeling and I was exhausted and I know in middle school I'd come home and close my door and just ball mm. and and I just thought it was because I was sensitive as well mm. but you know everything kind of came all together whenever I was in my early 20s 
Um, I was still known as being sensitive. I could feel the energy. At first, I thought, you know, this must be normal. I think everybody else is like this. <laughs> yeah, because my because my parents would say, "You'll be okay." And and of course, again, when people looked at me wrong, I would cry. I would mm. love to be a people pleaser. Yeah, and whenever I could feel somebody's energy, I'm thinking, why are they so angry when they don't look angry? You know, I was getting mixed messages. Yes. And oh my gosh, it was. (laughs) The mixed messages are so hard for an empath. Absolutely. Absolutely. And you know, you get that a lot of times from the teachers and, you know, at school, Mm -hmm. especially when they would get really angry and they would try to keep it together and I Mm -hmm. could just feel it. And I'm just going, not say anything. So if you, back then I looked like I was shy, you know, I didn't really talk much because I was really afraid to show people who I truly was because I thought they're just going to knock me down Mm. because I really also would attract people who were mean. Mm. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? It was like the yin and the yang. Yes, yes, I I just got yes. chills. I never thought about that, but I also attracted a lot of mean people as a kid. Yeah. Yeah. And, and and you know, and I would because I was so forgiving, I would allow them in mm-hmm. because I, you know, and then they would just knock me down. I'm going, what did I do? What did I say? You know, yeah, that type of thing. Yeah. But yes, and but being intuitive. So in my early 20s, I started hearing the voices, Mm. (laughs) is what I would say. And I'm going, I'm going crazy. So that's when my intuitive psychic ability started happening and mediumship is it was almost like it's time, you know, to work in the spiritual world. But I was told that was evil, that not to touch it. So were you raised in a conservative um Christian environment or? Absolutely. So I grew up in Abilene where there's three different Christian colleges Uh and there's an Air Force base there. So it's very, it was very conservative. It's kind of in the South Bible belt, you Mm -hmm. know, but yes, so very conservative. And my parents were not like very strict with the Bible or anything, but it's like, oh, we don't talk about things because if you do, you're opening up that door yes. and the evil's going to come through. Yes. And, uh, but what's interesting, Jennifer, is whenever I started hearing the voices and they were trying to get my attention, I actually went to my minister mm-hmm. and my minister listened and she was awesome. She goes, you know what, Michelle, if you are not ready to work in the spiritual world, if you are not ready to really dive in, open that door, as you say, it's not, and she's saying it's not evil. Just tell them to go away. You're not ready. Yes. Thank you, God. (laughs) What an absolute, what a, like, like what a sane, realist, like what a perfect answer. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, and that's why, you know, I know a lot of people have difficult experiences. I don't want to downplay that in religion. Mm-hmm. But with that minister, I thought, you know, this is godly. You know, this is yeah. definitely godly. And of course, I wasn't being embraced. Even my husband was a little scared of it. Mm-hmm. But I thought, you know what? I need to learn how to control it before I actually work in this area. Yes. So I went to a psychic medium and she actually helped me through it. Mm -hmm. And she said, you're not going crazy. (laughs) You're just having, you know, you're like the lighthouse and you're attracting all these spirits. They want to talk to you. And I could actually, you know, start hearing what other people were thinking. 
But anyway, until I was able to work with it and say, okay, as a teacher, I actually use my intuitive abilities to work with the parents mm-hmm. and with the kids. I would use also my my empath abilities mm-hmm. to kind of feel how they're feeling, to know what they really needed. Yeah. And yeah. if I could feel this anger, what I did is I would close myself off. I learned how to do that, my energy, and I would mm-hmm. send them love mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. to kind of calm them down. Nice. Nice. Yes. I want to go back to hearing because oh, okay. I want to clarify so when you say you started hearing voices, you started hearing them talking to you, was right. that a, you could literally hear as if you were listening to the radio out in the room, or was it like in your head, you could hear voices and things like that? Okay. So in the very beginning, and and I, you know, this is how I'm perceiving it. Mm-hmm. I could hear like, you know, when the TV is on and it's down really low and you can't really hear what they're talking or what they're yes. saying, but you can yes. hear the human voice. Yes. So that's what I was hearing. I was hearing like a conversation going on. And so, so it was me, like you could hear it in the room as right. if it was there. Okay. Right. And yeah. then it went into my third eye, into mm-hmm, my mind. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I'd be watching a movie. They'd always want to visit me when I'm watching a movie because I'm more open, I think, mm-hmm, at that time mm-hmm. or at night. And I one time I had a grandmother that just crashed in and she said, please tell my granddaughter who you work with that she needs to really take a grip on her life and be happy. <laughs> and I'm going, I'm not ready to come out yet. <laughs> And I said, okay. And it was really loud. You could tell she was really needing it. I said, under one condition, if you let me watch the movie. (laughs) So, you know, I learned with the humor and I learned how to put boundaries. Mm -hmm, So, mm -hmm. and you have to do that. And almost like an empath, you know, has to, where you have to block out the energy. It's the same way as a psychic medium. When you're off, I got to live my own life and now I can control it. I don't feel anything. Okay. And if I do then I say, you know, it's not the time right now. Right, right, right. Yeah, I mean, being able to have boundaries is just such an incredibly important thing about having any kind of extrasensory perception, because if we don't have boundaries, then we're just like, you know, I mean, we're like a a satellite dish that's just picking up information 24-7. And that is, just as you were saying, completely exhausting. Yeah. It's like when you go to a holistic fair, because I, I work holistic fairs now. And so when I go to holistic fair, as soon as you walk in the door, you can feel all of this energy because, yes. you know, you got crystals in the room, you have people doing Reiki, you've got uh, healers all over the place, readers. And yeah. so I've learned how to tune out everything and really work with my client alone. Mm-hmm. So, but it, it does, it takes practice. That's why I think it's really important for people that are really feeling this to get trained by a, a spiritual teacher. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah. Yeah. That this is not something that you can just like go to YouTube University or, no. um, you know, the College of TikTok and just learn all of these things. It really right. helps to have somebody who's been there, done that, and also who can sense into your energy in real time and give you feedback and give you pointers and help you to understand how it feels to have that fil- those filters and shields. And absolutely. Yeah. And you know what I tell people, knowledge is the most powerful thing that you can have. Yes. 
And it's almost like when you ride a bike, you I mean, most of the time, <laughs> people don't just get on the bike and start riding it, okay? They have to learn the tricks in the trade. It's the same yeah. thing with dealing your with your abilities, whatever healing moda- modality that you have. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, and I mean, this is a whole soapbox that I end up going on about just the fact that because of the way people have sort of learned how to market and that there's a large part of like the psychic industry is unregulated. A lot of the healing industry is unregulated. And so you can have somebody who's got really slick marketing, but has absolutely no grounding in, in training or mentorship. So that's one of the reasons why I am such a fan of the concept of certification and I'm a master trainer for EFT International. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, It's like, (laughs) Because I do feel that it's, you know, that being willing to jump through the hoops is not just good for our clients, but it's also good for us. It keeps us safer for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. So let's talk about kids because that's the thing that I know. So I guess my first question to you, I mean, obviously, I mean, maybe even like why kids, what made you, what led you into working with children? What got you as somebody who is so highly sensitive and found herself so exhausted as a younger person why'd you go back to the scene of the crime (laughs) (laughs) I know right (laughs) so yeah but absolutely just working with kids I don't know it just like you know and I think it is something to do with the light worker that you know you feel like you want to change the world what's better place than working with the kids yeah and I just felt and I my my specialty was in special ed. So I felt like I was patient with these kids. So half my room were bouncing out of their chairs. <laughs> so, and then I started working with the world of autism. So so I just, that was my, you know, everybody has their little niche that they need to do. And so I felt like I really could help the world by working with the kids. And whenever I was learning how to be a psychic medium myself, it just occurred to me, I thought, you know what? I'm meeting all of these people, all these other psychic mediums who have gone through the same experiences I did growing up. What if we can change how parents think about this? And I know that we, <laughs> we are changing along the way, but because of our belief system, it's from generation to generation to generation. But how can we educate others so this doesn't happen again to what happened to us, Jennifer? And, and so because I'm an advocate for kids, I thought, okay, I might as well be an advocate (laughs) for these kids as well, who are very intuitive and they don't know, the parents don't know what to do and they need that support just like anybody else needs that support. So what I did is whatever I learned, I kind of, I don't want to say dubbed it down, but I kind of put it in a toolbox that kids could actually do certain exercises that I did, but from a kid's point of view. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. From an accessible, I wouldn't say dumbing it down as much yeah, as dumbing it down simplifying it. There simplifying it so that it's accessible. <laughs> Modifying it. <laughs> yeah. Making it, paring it down to the bottom line of how, how do you do this? So right. I have um two questions for you. One question is, in your perspective or experience, do you see any intersection between autism and, em- and empaths, like in terms of 
Um, because I've certainly run into a lot of empaths who are also neurodivergent. And it seems like and and like a real correlation between ADHD and empaths, like mm-hmm. and sensory processing <laughs> disorder. But I was wondering what your experience, like the intersection between autism and empaths. Oh, um, absolutely. Yeah. And to me, and you know, I did did some research and really not only kids with autism, but also special needs kids, they do yes. have more spirit team around them. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I think we tend to look at autism kids because they do, they have that sensory integration, yes. you know, the processing that they're going through. And I did work with a lot of kiddos who were nonverbal and I would use my energy to calm them down Yeah, because they would just, you know, have a meltdown and then I could calm them down. But yes, I feel like they can feel us as well. And that's how they communicate too, is through their energy. Yes. And being empathic is really hard because sometimes they don't know how to deal with other people's emotions because they're having problems with their own. Right, right, (laughs) right. Yeah. And having 80 in what looks like ADHD, their senses are so heightened and they're like this all the time. They can feel, you know, but again, we can teach them how to deal with their energy versus other people's energy as well. Mm. So next question is, what are the ways to identify or recognize that your kid is highly sensitive? I love it. I love it. So, and I and I do want to say first, you know, if your child is empathic, a lot of times that will lead into intuitiveness as well. So whenever they the number one thing that the parents always tell me is my child is having a difficult time sleeping at night. And it's because the energy, the our loved ones or spirit, that's when we're, you know, open like an antenna. Because when the kids sleep, they're not thinking of anything else, but yet they can feel all the energy in their room. And and I was the same way. And I had a hard time sleeping as well because you're going, okay, I may not be able to see it, but I know I'm not alone. Yes. And that yes. can be scary, especially really if they watch can. TV, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? So, yeah. So I tell the parents if they're not sleeping, then I kind of can tell them some strategies. Also, if a child is seeing a loved one, you know, especially the younger they are, the more that they can see an apparition. Yes. And um, so if they're seeing some, you know, or I have an imaginary friend. Or they yes. can see auras around people, you know, like lights around people. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, if they are able to almost communicate with pets, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. animals, yeah. and plants, yes, <laughs> of all things, you know, because they can communicate with that. Yeah. And so, you know, a lot of times they're going, is my child going crazy? Or, mm-hmm. you know, and another question that they always ask me, is my child in danger? Because of that fear factor. Right. So right. so I always tell the parents that is your fear, that is not your child's fear. Yes. That kind of thing. Yeah. You talked about the intersection or, you know, you mentioned intuition or intuitive and empath. I'd love to hear your definitions or and and sort of explanation of the distinction between empath and intuitive. 
I love it. And here I'm, I'm beginning to sweat because I know I'm the queen of the empaths right here. <laughs> but I'll tell you what. Okay. So really, okay. So being an empath and I, and I really do feel that you can feel, you know, loved ones or whatever, but being an empath, you can feel not only your feelings yes. really strong, but yes. also other people's feelings. Yes. And sometimes it's difficult. Well, am I feeling this way or am I picking up on somebody else? Exactly. You yeah. know, that way. And it's almost like telepathically too, yes. as you can yeah. hear, you can feel the whole thing. If somebody is sick, you may get a headache. Yeah. And you're feeling it. Yeah. You're picking it up. <laughs> yeah. My so, personal yeah. definition or what I've come to realize is that where I see the distinction between mm-hmm you know, empath and other extrasensory perception is that empaths pick it all up, but they process it as if it's their own. So like you said, you're around somebody with a headache, you feel the headache. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You're bringing, yeah, exactly. Now for intuitive. Okay. So there's also intuitive and they're psychic and there's also difference with mediumship. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So being psychic, it's almost, and sometimes you can almost, because this happened with me several times, is I knew something was going to happen before it happened. Mm-hmm. Um, like my my child would almost start crying or having a temperature, you know, fever. Mm-hmm. And I'd go, you know what? They're getting a fever. And he's going, no, they're not. And I could feel, I knew that they were going to get a fever. And also being a psychic, you can read other people, but it's a little bit different than being an empath. Yes. Yes. You know, the information comes You know that you're reading another person as a psychic, whereas as right. an empath, you don't. Right. Yeah. And yeah. you use all those clairs, you know, yeah. I can't, I can't tell you all the clairs because <laughs> I mean, you know, um, but clairvoyance, clairaudience, yeah. clairsentience, claircognizance, clairgustance, which is taste, clairalliance, which is smell. And I think I just named most of them. I might be missing. I might be missing right. one or two of them. But, right, right. Yeah. And yeah. and for the very first one that always starts, I believe, is the knowing when you yeah, the, just the know clair- it. And some people, claircognizance yeah. is more of that knowing as opposed right. to the clairsentience, which is more of that sensing or feeling. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah. And then and then it kind of develops from there. Yeah. And then with mediumship, you're actually tuning in up above to the yes. left one, straight yes. to it, like a channel. Yeah. Yes. So, so that's, you know, that's the difference. And of course it does, you start hearing those voices and it's like, it's like, you know, and I did, uh, when I was doing my research, I did find out that they did research on people who are schizophrenia that have been identified as that mm-hmm. with a medium, you know, to see what the differences were. Yes. So interesting because they said it's almost the same part of the brain. Uh However, it's how they perceive it. So if you're schizophrenia, you know that what you're seeing, it's more of a phobia and it's more mentally ill and it's not spiritual. Mm -hmm. Where with mediumship, it's more spiritual. You know that you're talking to somebody in the spiritual realm. Yeah. Well, that makes I, sense. it makes total sense. So many, many years ago when I was working as a psychic, I had a client that I saw who was a schizophrenia, had schizophrenia, but was in treatment with medication. Right. And he had his first psychotic break. He experienced, he was back in Nazi Germany and he wow. was experiencing being like taken away by the Nazis. And 
this was happening or overlaying with basically being pink slipped and taken to an, a facility. And what I sensed with this was that this was past life bleed through for him, mm-hmm. that this was a previous life and previous experience. But what distinguished him from just having a past life memory, or like you were saying, where as a medium, you're getting information, was that he had no capacity to identify or distinguish between consensus reality and this experience. And he was completely immersed in this experience where he thought he was there again. And I think in a way that my personal, and I'm not a doctor nor a play one on TV, but my personal interpretation between being, you know, a psychic, a medium, you know, being a psychic and a medium or, you know, an intuitive versus like mental, a mental health issue is that when you're struggling with a mental health issue, often consensus reality becomes distorted and you don't know that you're picking something up. Whereas in my experience, most people who are mediums and psychics recognize that information is coming in that is an overlay or is distinct and different from the consensus right. reality that they're in right now. So that's my I way of it. Yeah. I love it. That's a great description. Yeah. I really love that. And empaths, interestingly, I never thought about this, but the thing with empaths is similar to that sort of difference between being a medium and being schizophrenic empath versus intuitive and psychic is that the empath also can't discern or distinct well an unchecked or unmastered empath because you can learn to use your abilities to sense things but when an empath is kind of like just in that hot mess stage they're not distinguishing between things now i'm imagining that a lot of the children that you're working with are in that in that place of not being able to discern, not being able to distinguish. Right, right, yeah. right. And, you know, and the very first thing that we teach them is the breath work, is how to breathe through things. Mm. <laughs> because And it becomes almost like a muscle memory. You yes. know, once you start breathing through things, it just kind of calms down your nervous system, you know, as you're breathing through it. And then we do teach them the di- kind of like I did with when I taught uh, kids with autism social skills, mm-hmm. we would teach them feelings and emotions mm-hmm. and what that feels like. And the number one thing is to really teach them if I was not in an angry situation just now and I'm feeling angry, is it really my anger? Or is it somebody else's? Yes. Yes. Well, and you just pointed something really interesting and really important out is like, you need to have a vocabulary for the emotions before you necessarily can discern what's going on here. Oh, absolutely. I want to go back to breathing for a second and just like, so what, could you give us a, a really simple, like a breathing exercise that parents of empathic children, um, you know, listeners could use? Right, right, right. Okay. So, you know, one of those, now you'd have to have this toy though, but you could also do it as a balloon. Okay. Mm -hmm. Because a hemisphere, it's almost like, do you know one of those toys that you open up and you close down? And open up and yeah, close down. Yeah, yeah. Those okay. like those like contractible or expandable. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And you can mm-hmm. also use a balloon. Mm-hmm. But to teach a child to just kind of control their breathing, mm-hmm. you go, okay, so as we blow up the balloon or expand the ball, 
our breath is going in and we hold it for just count to three because mm-hmm. you, you know for little ones you don't want to go past that <laughs> and then and then go okay let's squeeze it now and breathe out and you do that often on like five times you know five intervals like twice or three times a day a child can automatically do that and you can say, okay, let's go back to our breathing. And they can just use their hands if they need to. I like the hands. Yeah, that because really. Yeah, you're working with your energy. You can feel your energy after a while. And you can yeah. also make energy balls, you know, with, with your hands as well. Yes, 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 yes. Well, and you can probably eventually teach them how to correlate using their breath to expand and, and you know, to expand and contract on the energy balls as well. Right. Yeah. Right. And you can also have them laying down. Mm-hmm. And put like a teddy bear on top of their tummy yes. and have them raise their, their stomach up and down, up and down. And that's another way that you can control. Oh, I bet there's and- several different fun exercises today. You just reminded me of when my now adult nephew was a toddler. I would okay. sit him on my belly and I would do like fire breath from the, oh, right. you know, from my belly and I would like bounce him on my belly. <laughs> and so I was, you know, so, so he loved it because he got to ride, ride, you know, he got to go for a ride, but also it feels like it was a way to just really start teaching him or showing him like how to start being mindful of your breath. So Absolutely. it was kind of a win-win. Yeah. I love putting the teddy bear on the belly and helping them to raise it and lower it. Now, with the breathing where you were saying we do the expand and then hold and then contract or release, uh-huh. release. Um, uh-huh. do you have a hold out on the exhale as well? Is this like a classic box breath or is this sort of a three-sided not breath? In the, not in the very beginning. Yeah. Just to hold it for four seconds. And you can yeah. actually develop into that. But too much, you know, at once. But if yeah. a child needs that, yes, you can do that. But most of the time, no. Mm-hmm. Because, yeah. you know, you you just kind of, and they want, you want them to imitate the parent as a parent does it. Yes. That way they're not really counting, but they're in sync with the parent. Which then sense. helps them to sync up with their parent's energy system. Oh, I love that. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> That's, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And really, and then yoga is another thing, especially for very active little kids mm-hmm. is yoga because that really teaches them. It's almost like karate. It kind of teaches them how to calm down and control themselves. Yes. And self-regulate. Yeah. Well, and they're going to be embodied. They are it's bringing you back into your body. It's bringing you back into consciousness of your body. And so often, you know, that's one of the first keys to being able to regulate our nervous system is to just become, be embodied again. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Mm. Wonderful. So just teaching your kids or just starting with the basics of like, this is how to breathe. This is how to. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Because once you start that, then when they become fearful, then they can able to self-regulate themselves. But we also need to teach the kiddos not to be afraid. Okay. Yeah. So if the parent's afraid, then of course the child's going to pick that up and be afraid. So the parent needs to listen without judgment. And so no, the parent really needs to be knowledgeable in what is mm-hmm. going on. So they may need to seek other, you know, people that can teach them that whatever their child's going through, so they know how to deal with it. Um, and then 
the child needs to feel empowered. So going back to when you can't sleep at night and you keep feeling all this energy, you can either have like spray and this is like clearing spray, you know, sage spray. I always like sage because the sage itself to me makes too much smoke. Yes. (laughs) And you don't want your child breathing that in. No. (laughs) So, so you give them a bottle of sage and what they can do is they can say, you know, right now I'm going to sleep. I don't want to play, you know, or whatever Mm -hmm, they want to say. And they can spray it over their room, around the room. And that way they feel in control. Yes. You can also have them have crystals in their room if they feel like they need a rock. Because something, you know, I don't know what it is, but when we have like a pet rock or we hold something in our hands, that makes you feel so much more secure. Yes. You know, or like a light being on. But And then eventually as they get older, they can say, you know what, during the day, that's when I'll come out and talk with you. But right now at night, you know, so they're setting those boundaries, right? but they really need to know what is going on for them. And so they need somebody to kind of show them concretely, Mm -hmm. you know, you may be talking to someone, you know, that has lived here before. Can you draw what they look like? You know, Mm -hmm. that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So just and just making it, it because it is normal, making it normal. Because as a teenager, if they're not accepted for who they truly are, they start diving into other things. Oh yeah. You know, that are harmful to themselves. Right. Because especially being an empath, you're going to try to shut those things down. And a lot of times they do it by self-medication. Mm-hmm. You know. And the drugs and the alcohol and so forth. So, and so for if, many girls, food and eating yes, disorders as well. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Because they feel like they're in control then. Exactly. Yeah. So, you know, so that's why it needs to start when they're younger. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and yes. if they're being made, now the one thing that happens is if the family accepts it, then sometimes their peers don't accept it. Right. So that's when it's almost like religion, though, is the same way is you've got to talk about it, you know, not everybody believes in the same thing. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we're all one, but we, you know, we have different experiences and just kind of be proud of who you are. Yeah. Well, and I think I know I grew, so I grew up in a family on my immediate family were agnostics and atheists. And Mm -hmm. my mom's side of the family were all like, her family, extended family, were all Catholic, and my dad's family were all agnostic, you know, were all agnostics oh, wow. and atheists. Oh, and wow. so I grew up with the experience of this is not real, like a lot of invalidation. Just that experience of the difference between invalidation and validation. And what you're saying is that acknowledging to a child, different people may have different experiences. You deserve a place at the table just as much as somebody Absolutely. else does. Like, I think that's so incredibly important because I think we can be otherwise if you, if there's nobody validating that experience. And especially if you're surrounded by peers who are like, you're weird. Yeah. That can really be very, that can affect you for a long time. (laughs) Absolutely. Um, I uh, was able to interview a mom. Mm-hmm. And I'm going blank on her name, but her son was on the A&E Kids show, the very mm. first episode, Ellen mm-hmm. Edsmondson. And she's actually a psychic medium herself. 
But she, you know, went ahead and wrote in because she said, said it's different because it's my child. You know, my child's not going <laughs> to uh, deal with, you know, deal with whatever he's doing. And he won't do what I ask him to because he was like middle school. And anyway, he was writing, you know, all of his experiences down and the kids were making fun of him. And so they eventually, she said, I tried to educate the teachers. I tried to educate the peers but it wasn't working. So they mm. went ahead and put him in a private school. I mean, there are different choices. Yeah. But what he was experiencing is he had his grandfather actually coming into his room and visiting with him at night. Mm-hmm. And so so once they had somebody that came in, you know, who was a medium that came in and acknowledged this, he was able to sleep just fine. He said, oh, it's my grandfather. Now I know who it is. <laughs> that type of thing. And what's so I heard is one of the early story I heard many years ago was I had I had had a client whose grand grandchildren, a pair of twins, would be sleeping in their crib and their grandfather would come and visit them or great grandfather, I think it was, would come and visit them and sing Unforgettable by uh, that. Yeah. And that's um, cool. And the thing was like they were like, yeah, the nice man comes and sings to us. They had no idea who he was. But then when they started explaining the song that, you know, the person I knew was like, oh, my God, that was my father coming to do this. And so it is just amazing the way that kids will just have these experiences, but they have no idea who who it is that they're even talking to. And they're okay with it (laughs) most of the time, you know, but I but I'm with I understand completely if you don't really know who you're talking to, it can be kind of scary, Yeah, you know, especially as you get older and you know, it's not normal. Yes. But once you start finding out, that's one reason why I didn't want to dive into mediumship. Cause I thought, what if something comes over that I don't want to talk to? Mm-hmm. Well, mm-hmm. that's my choice. I can make yes. those boundaries. You know, that's the number one thing. Well, do you ever have evil or, and I go, I don't consider any spirit evil. I think that they're lower energy. Yeah. But no, I I usually tell them I'm only going to work with love and light spirits. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, I have a caveat. Whenever I'm opening up and calling anything in, is that I always say, you know, I call you to come good and clean, yeah. and yeah. that it's just really clarifying. Like there is no space for you know if you're if you're going to behave badly, you know I'm kicking you out of the party. Oh, like, absolutely. You know, and I, I really I see it. it as just because somebody's dead doesn't mean that they get to behave and, you know, like that, oh, that they're, no. they get freedom to be a jerk. Like, right. It's like we get to have the same level of boundaries and expectations about appropriate behavior with living people. We do with dead people like, you know. And that thing, I, so I love that you're just really like, yeah, I get to choose. I get to decide. I get to say I'm off hours. I'm not available for this right now. And yeah, I mean, sleeping is such an interesting thing because we're so much more receptive and able to pick things up. A lot of times that's why they'll come to us when we're sleeping. But I love just being able to say, yeah, sorry, Um, I'm off duty right now. Go go talk to somebody who's awake. Yes. And I could not do that at the beginning. No, I I had to learn how to do it. We didn't even, I I mean, did you even know you could? Like, I mean, you know, think about the media and just like even like ghost stories and all the stuff. Like the cultural meme about dead people is that they are bullies, that they are like, that they're just going to come in and they're going to like, 
they're just going to like infiltrate your life and you have no choice about it whatsoever. So it's kind of like, if you're a medium, you're just doomed. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 And, you know, but yeah, that's the very first thing that people, a lot of people ask me, especially who haven't had mediumship before. Well, well, somebody that, you know, is really mean going to come through and I go, no, I won't allow it, you know, or if they do and you are not wanting to talk to the person, I can tell them to go away. Yeah. But it's always set an intention. So when, yeah, and you brought up a very good point when you're ghost hunting, you know, looking at haunted houses, what my perception on that is they're calling out lower energy entities Mm -hmm. and because that's their intention. Mm -hmm. That's why they're getting visited. Oh, I got to tell you the story real quick. (laughs) Please. Stories Um, are one of my favorite things. Oh yeah. So, and I don't remember who it was. I think it was a friend of mine that she knew somebody, okay, that there were two mediums going into a house. One medium could see an entity. The other one could not. And so one of the, the medium that could see the entity said, all right, what I need, what I want you to do is bring down your energy. It's too high to see the entity. So she brought down the energy and she goes, oh, I see it now. <laughs> So that she had to, so it depends upon the energy, your frequency, if you're seeing, because, you know, some people see aliens because they're on a different frequency. Right, right, right. Um, Michelle, what you just said, oh my God, you know, like the correlation between our frequency and the energy that we perceive. I mean, Mm -hmm. in some ways it's like, duh, of course it's that way. but. I've always sort of wondered for myself, like, why is it that there are people who experience all kinds of negative entities? And I just really tend to be like, I work with the angels and above mostly and, and good and are wise and well dead people, like the good dead people. And I've every so often I'm like, why do I always get the good stuff when other people are getting kind of the ick stuff? And I have had a couple places where there's a very, very haunted place that's about a couple miles away from me that is now this like campus. And I was getting a massage at night on this campus. And it used to be a facility for developmentally delayed people in a workhouse. I mean, it was really like the abuse that happened on this land Mm. place in case somebody's wondering is a place called Pineland, which is now this organic farm. And it's just amazing. And during the day, it's really awesome. But at night, the ghosts come back out. Mm -hmm. And and I had this experience of encountering this adolescent male. And, um, you know, he was very curious. He followed me all the way home. Oh, (laughs) wonderful. Right to the boundaries of our house or of our property where there was wards up. And I was like, yep, you can't come past here. But um, yeah, but it's just, I love that you are that the way that she was able to see the lower entities was by bringing her own vibration down. I never thought of it that way. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Personally, ghost busting is a thing for, is is a thing for younger people. Oh, absolutely. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and you don't see what they do. They do a lot of protection. Yeah, you know, before they go in, right? And we don't see that on TV, but no. I've heard that's a lot of what a lot of them do. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, and when you have a spirit 
that is unresolved. I mean, that's I mean, my personal yeah. thing is that anytime you have something haunted or something, it's all about it's lack of resolution. It's, it's oh yeah, you know, absolutely. Yeah. That's my experience. And they don't have to it. be, you know, lower energy when they're that way. They're just trying to figure out what's going on. Trying to figure <laughs> it out, trying to resolve it. Yeah. That's right. That's yeah. right. Yeah. So we're getting to that moment. We're getting to that point. And I'm just thinking, like, let's just imagine, you know, I mean, you have a kid, you know that they're really sensitive. Mm-hmm. They're having a really hard time at school. What advice would you give to parents? about having, you know, a highly sensitive, and especially if they're not in a position to be like, okay, we're going to put you into a private school or something, or we're going to homeschool you. Like, what advice would you give for parents who are dealing with children who are the outliers Hmm. and who, and who are so sensitive that they crumble when somebody is giving them criticism? Like, they just don't know you know, like the, you just need to develop a tougher skin kid. Just ignore them. Like, right. No, 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 (laughs) no way. And we know through research that ignoring does not help. So what you need to do. Thank you so much. (laughs) Oh no, bullying. You just just soothed my, my inner (laughs) eight-year-old. Nobody ever told her that. (laughs) No, you can't ignore it. No, 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 no. So, um, so because you cannot be with your child 24 seven, okay, you do have to teach them strategies, uh, the ways that they can help themselves. And the number one thing, if they are like being bullied, they've got to turn them in, they've got to go to a teacher, they need to talk to a counselor and also have someone on campus where they can actually go talk to any time of the day. Um, I know I've, I've worked with several kids who would say, I've got to go talk to so-and-so. And I go, go, you know, I knew. It was, so you always have to have that safety. They've mm-hmm. got to feel safe. And so talking and listening to your child will be the number one thing that will really help. And don't yeah. like, oh, you're, it's your imagination or, you know, you're seeing it different. No, they're not feeling safe. So you got to teach them those strategies and you've got to talk to the school staff to help in the situation somehow. So you can always call a conference about your child and get everybody on the same page Mm -hmm, and have the mm -hmm. child there if they're old enough, you know, to be able to help. If not, you know, you don't want to like, I don't know, feel like they're being integrated or something. Right, right, right. Um, But yeah, so you definitely need to do some type of plan so that they feel safe, but not ignoring it won't let the thing go away. Okay. So. Thank you. Because I mean, yeah. the message is that, and I don't know if you had this experience as a kid, but the method, certainly the approach was basically just ignore them. Oh, don't, absolutely. Don't give them any fuel. They're reacting to your reacting. If you stop right. paying attention, it's going to go away. And it was sort of like, it's just not a helpful answer. Really? No, 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 no. Especially for it, children. Yeah, and I used to be there. My teacher had the tittle tattle tale book. Uh huh. <laughs> so if you tattle tailed, if I'm saying that correct, you were tattle tale. Yuck. Yes. So yeah, that's a form of ignoring, which means that that's reinforcing the behavior of the child. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh my God! <laughs> so the child who's calling out the bad behavior is the one is going in the book is being the nar. Right. That's. Awful. Right. Oh, yeah, that, yeah. yeah, yeah. I know, I know. 
But hopefully things mm. are changing, I think, through research. And I think also the parents had a lot to do with it being changed, you know, in school systems, yeah. because it is yeah. actually against the law for teachers to ignore it now. So, oh, that is good. That yeah. is good. Yeah. I mean, I think that we're still school systems are, are sadly, it seems like school yeah. systems are so overburdened these days and different school systems have more or less resources for handling it. But at least you know, there are policies in place and, you know, there, and, and which actually makes me think the other thing is as a parent, if you're dealing with a situation with an unusual child or, you know, an outlying child or Mm -hmm. just, you know, different kind of kid, maybe also documenting the process. So like, if you do approach the school systems, like you have notes, you have records, you have information. Oh, absolutely. Parent, yeah. you need to be a parent advocate. Yes. You need to be your best child's advocate. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And and have a paper trail. And I mean, they have to, I mean, you know, meet with you and have a meeting. Yeah. But yeah, the, the parent with the strongest voice will get things done. Mm-hmm. And not only are you helping your own child, but you're helping other children as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, Michelle, I told you I'd come to this point where I would say, oh, my goodness, I can't believe how fast the time has gone by. And as always, I really mean it. (laughs) So I always love to ask at this point in time, what, if anything, feels like you just really want to be sure that you share a piece of information or something? Is there anything that you're just like, I want to be sure that I get this piece of information to this audience? Absolutely. So if you are, you know, feeling like what we're talking about, being an empath, being intuitive, being a medium, you need to, that is a part of you. Even if your child is feeling this way is a part of them. Mm -hmm. So to really feel your essence, your soul's essence, to feel who you are, you got to show everybody your authentic self. You have to accept it yourself. Don't be afraid. Mm -hmm. And I think the fear comes in course, our past baggage or whatever, right? Get over it. <laughs> yeah. Because until you come to terms with it, your soul is not going to rest and you're not going to find the peace and the grace that you need to. Yes. Well, in, in my experience also, the more real I am, the more real other people are able to be with me as yes. well. Yes. And that sometimes it's almost like somebody has to make the first move and take the mask off. And right. we're living in a culture where everybody thinks they're supposed to look a certain way. And so there's all this like curating of our reality. But it's like if you just show up as yourself and remove the mask, it's almost like that gives everybody else permission to take their masks off too. Yeah. And what a better world we have when we're all, you know, not wearing oh, masks all the time. Yeah, absolutely. So, Michelle, one of the things that I really love to do with every single episode is I love to time travel. Okay. And I'll explain it. The way that I think of podcasts is that they exist outside of time. You know, this is being recorded and is going to be heard for hopefully many, many, many years to come. Like this episode will exist in perpetuity. And I believe that just as the message can be broadcast way into the future, we also are sending a broadcast back into the past. And so what I believe that we are doing is a kind of magic with this recording and this podcast right now, where we're creating a broadcast 
And every single person who hears it is helping to boost the signal and send that broadcast back as well. But we're sending a broadcast back to a time where you need the message. So what I love to think of, it's almost like the fabric of time just folding over on itself and you and me and the listeners helping to boost the signal going back in time to a place where younger Michelle really, really needed a message. So my two questions for you are, when, who are you going back to see? Like when in time and what Michelle are we going back to? And, or who is the Michelle we're going back to? And then Mm -hmm. what does she need to hear? What is the message that you, and speaking it to her directly, like you're broadcasting it to her. What will you say? Okay. Well, um, I, you know, at first I was thinking four years of age, Mm -hmm. because that's really when you start developing your belief system and everything else, you know, want to fix it then and say that you're going to be okay with whatever you believe in, as long as you accept yourself of who you are. Mm -hmm. And then I was thinking, you know what, fourth grade, for some reason, the number four is in there. Fourth grade, it was kind of difficult because that's when I felt different than anybody else. Yes. You know, that's when we're becoming independent, funding our own selves. And that's when I started going inside myself and being shy and not yep. showing anybody. Yeah. So and you would have been nine, 10 at that age. Yes. probably. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. For so, me, nine was yeah. a very significant age. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. yeah. Oh my gosh. I so think I'm, it's when a lot yeah. of times the abilities start to wake as especially like we're hitting kind of that prepubescent stage, the Mm -hmm. hormones start kicking in. I think that that with that comes increased or enhanced psychic ability because that's that's started to come through for me as about the age of nine. Yeah. 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 So we're going back to nine, 10 years old, fourth grade. What are we going to say to her? I would say, say? I'd say love yourself Put your shoulders back, find the courage to be yourself, and you're going to be okay. Love yourself, put your shoulders back, and find the courage to be okay. And And you are okay. And be you. And you Mm -hmm. are okay. Yeah. 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 yeah, because you know every you're part of a puzzle piece in the whole world. Because <laughs> think of the world as a puzzle piece, and yeah. you're one that little puzzle piece that's little going puzzle in. piece. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And if you try to change your puzzle piece, you're not going to fit. Like no. <laughs> it's so ironic how often we try to shave ourselves, or, you know, shave the puzzle piece, or restructure, or shape, reshape the puzzle piece, and yet it's like no wonder we have a world where everybody's or so many people feel like they don't fit. Because we're trying so hard to not be the puzzle pieces that we should be to fit in. Oh, yeah. Yeah. They become warped. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Or chewed on by a dog. Oh, (laughs) that's true. (laughs) Or a toddler. There was that period. I don't know if you ever, my mother was really, really into puzzles. And, you know, there were definitely pieces of puzzles that that when the boys were much younger, that would get chewed on by my my nephews. Yeah. And so you'd find one or two pieces of puzzle that were just kind of like somebody was teething on that piece of puzzle. Oh my goodness. Yeah. (laughs) Michelle, this conversation has just been delightful. I'm sure that this has been really, really helpful for so many people. And I want to highlight, you are an author of a book. You wrote a book. I mentioned it in, I mentioned the book in the bio, but would you tell us just a little bit about your book and 
because I, I think that like, if you, people need more resources, your book is obviously one of them. Yeah. For, uh, so spiritual nurturing for intuitive children. Whenever I first started writing the book, it was, I was really hit what I had goal in mind, who my audience would be, were the light workers going in the home and helping the parents, you know, um, to embrace their child that intuitive or whatever they were going through spiritually. Now I have parents going, you know what? I don't need anyone coming into my home. <laughs> I can read the book on my own. So it's got full of exercises. It's got some things for you to think about what your, you know, what situation that is going on. And it also has case studies, which I love case studies. It talks about uh, children at different stages, whatever they're going through and what may help them. Mm. So, so it kind of is like a case study towards the end, but it's, it's just like a very beginner's guide of how to increase if they want to their, um, intuitiveness, their intuitive gifts and how to deal with them. Like if they're just an empath, there's some exercises in there that they can actually do with their child. And that's important. The parent has to be active with their child. And what's interesting, these parents are going, you know what? I have the same type of intuitiveness or empath abilities as my child. Yes. So they're learning what they can do. Mm, wonderful. You guys, the book, the link for the book will be in the show notes. And so final question, Michelle, oh, how sure. do people get in touch with you? Oh, how yes. No, that's an easy one. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So you uh, always send people to my website. Mm-hmm. It's michellehendersonmedium.com. Mm-hmm. Excellent. MichelleHendersonMedium.com. And you also have a podcast. I I highly recommend people checking out Michelle's Inspiration Hour. Yes. Yes. And I started that because I love, and like this conversation, I'd love to have because I love to, I don't know what it is, chat back and forth to try to solve the problems of the world and try to inspire people through it. I, it is storytelling and conversation that is going to save the world. I yes. really, yeah. Yes. It's like we, and, and sharing our stories. It's such an incredibly, it's so, it's such an incredibly important thing. Oh, absolutely. So, this conversation has just been so rich and so delicious. And I've certainly gotten some really, really great takeaways from it and some oh, insights, like new perspective. And I'm sure that the audience has too. So if, you know, you guys, please reach out to us. Let us know oh, what, you, what you discovered about this, what you realized about this. And of course, as Michelle can attest to your favorable, hopefully five-star reviews with a little bit of writing attached <laughs> is always incredibly welcome because that's how we boost the signal. Uh, so, um, you know, like, come on over, say, say hi. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Michelle, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for being here, oh, thank for you. sharing your wisdom and for giving us hope. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for um, allowing me to do this on your show as well. Thank you. As we come to the end of this episode, I'd love to hear what you're taking from this show. Please jump over to EmpathicMasteryShow.com to leave your comments. In the show notes, you'll find a link to grab your copy of My Empathic Safety Guide, Three Basics for Finding Calm in the Eye of the Storm, and 
While you're there, please subscribe and follow this show. And thank you for your help sharing this show with the people who need it. Please help me to spread the word and send this podcast to friends or family members who need support living as highly sensitive empathic people. Then join me again when the next Empathic Mastery show airs. Okay, one last time. Hop over to EmpathicMasteryShow.com for your empathic safety guide. And until next show, shine on. We need you and your gifts here on this planet. So please don't judge your empathic rainbow by colorblind standards.